Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Hi, I'm Josephine, and I'll be reading tonight's Bible passage. Uh, It is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 7 to 15. But we had these treasure in jars of clay to show that all this also passing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that this, his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Evening everyone. Uh, Congratulations for making it out into the cold and wet. It is a really miserable day. I didn't expect this many people, uh, but also great to have you here if you're watching online. Uh, if you're new, if I haven't met you before, my name is Chris, and I'd love to meet you after the service. Uh, I wonder if you know who uh, this fine young man is. Will Anderson? Does this work with this generation? Yes? Okay, yep. All right, good. Uh, host of The Grew and Transfer, longtime comedian. I reckon it must have been about 20 years ago that I saw him do a routine at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And during this routine, he asked a question that has stuck with me for close to two decades. Does Jesus need to hire a new advertising team? Does Jesus need a new marketing strategy? William Anderson observed that Christians, the people who are supposed to represent Jesus to the world, don't always do the best job. We're not always the most impressive bunch. And while I might be a little less cynical about Christians than Will Anderson... I think it's a fair point. Why doesn't God make us more impressive? Why aren't our transformations after we become followers of Jesus a little more extraordinary looking? Why aren't our lives a bit more enviable, victorious, glorious? Why doesn't God decrease the struggle and increase the success? Surely more tangible proof of God's blessing would have a greater impact on other people, right? Will Anderson wasn't the first person to consider this, uh, just the first person I heard consider this. But if we wind the clock back 2,000 years, the Corinthians were confused as to why Paul's life wasn't more impressive. They concluded that he was a bit underwhelming. How then could it be God's plan to use someone like Paul In these verses, in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul gives a defense for his underwhelming life. 
for his struggling ministry. He reframes success and failure, blessing and suffering, life and death, to help us understand where the true power for transformation comes from. As we look at this passage, we can learn not only how it could be God's plan to use someone like Paul, but how it could be God's plan to use people like us. So if you feel a lack of God's work in your life, if you feel like there's more more suffering and less success, let me get that right, if you just feel unimpressive, or just like a normal, regular person who wants to follow Jesus and serve him, then this passage is for you. Let me pray and we'll jump into it. Lord God, we pray that you'd cut through the cold and the distractions and you'd encourage us tonight. You'd help us understand more and more what it means to live for Jesus and what it means to die for Jesus. Amen. I have no idea what Will Anderson thinks about Jesus himself, but he at least observed, for the sake of a joke, that there seems to be a clash between the product and the marketing. 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul agreed. There is absolutely a clash when we compare Jesus and his followers. But for Paul... That's not a problem. That's the point. That's not a bug, that's a feature. He puts it like this in verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have this treasure. What treasure is he talking about? You look back a few verses, what we looked at last week. In verse 4, he mentions the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Then in verse 6, he refers to the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The word of comes up way too many times in that sentence, but Paul is just really excited to describe this treasure for us. Put more simply, he's talking about the gospel. The treasure is the good news. The treasure is the message that Jesus Christ, God's Son, died for our sins so that we could be forgiven everything, anything. The treasure is the good news that the high prince of heaven gave up all glory, all honor, all privilege and came and died for his creation. The good news that we could be adopted as children of God. The good news that just as Jesus was raised back to life, we can have life forever with him. The good news that through Jesus, God is repairing his broken world. The good news that Jesus' spirit lives and works in everyone who trusts him. The good news that if we belong to Jesus, we are now brothers and sisters, members of a new family, a new humanity. The good news that first transformed hundreds of lives and then thousands of lives and then millions and now billions of lives. The good news that brings healing to the hurting, love to the lonely, hope to the grieving. The good news that brings freedom, peace, joy. That's the treasure. That's the glorious treasure that Paul is so excited about. And if you have a, a treasure as precious as this, what sort of treasure chest would you put it in? What sort of vessel would you use to carry it around and show it to the world? God chose us. He chose followers of Jesus. We are the ones who carry around and show off the good news. Only Paul doesn't say us. 
he says, God put this treasure in jars of clay. Now we have a, a lovely collection of clay jars and vases up here. Some really nice ones. And I hope as, you, as we continue through the series, every time you see these, you remember 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. I hope you remember this idea. But I don't think clay jars represent for us what they represented for people in the ancient world. Our pottery is usually decorative. But for ancient people, the vast majority of the time, pottery was functional. Clay jars were the cardboard boxes of the ancient world. Breakable, cheap, unimpressive. Now when you order something online and it gets delivered all the way to your doorstep, and you come and you get that package. Don't you love just savouring those first few moments as you admire the cardboard box? Am I right? For sure, right? I mean, I've actually got one right here for us to enjoy together. Uh, A personal favourite of mine. Now I'm going to try to do this with the microphone so we can enjoy it together. Listen. Did you hear that? How crisp was that sound, right? I mean, this is a a tremendously well-folded cardboard box. Uh, Just a really good functional lid with the flap so it stays tight. And if you look inside, I was really impressed by this. There's just a single seam of glue there. This is all one piece of cardboard. How clever is that? Just artfully cut and folded together. And now my my very, very, very favorite part of this cardboard box. Check out the bottom. How clever is this? Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't this just a magnificent example of a cardboard box? I mean, it's like, admittedly, it's a little torn now. Uh, And I think, yeah, there's a dent over here. Uh, But still, what a box! How good is that? And don't you love to do that when you get a package in the mail? No! No one does that! You're lying if you say you... All right, Peter, we should talk. All right. (laughs) You've got a name. Okay, we'll talk later. All right. It's a nice box. It is a very nice box. But that's not the point of a cardboard box. God put the treasure of the gospel in cardboard boxes like us. Because when the good news changes lives... When the good news sets people free. When the good news brings people from death to life. There will be no confusion about where the power for that transformation came from. We'll know not to put our hope in charismatic speakers, our trust in self-help strategies or lifestyle gurus. We'll know the credit doesn't belong with us. We'll know that all glory belongs to Jesus and will praise him and trust him and treasure him more and more. God put the treasure of the gospel in us so that we would put our trust in him. God put his treasure in us so that we would put our trust in him. But then Paul goes on to say that there's another reason why God uses weak, fragile, unimpressive cardboard boxes. There's another reason why God doesn't just increase our success and decrease our struggle and turn us into the fanciest treasure chest that you've ever seen. He explains it in verses 8 to 12. First, describing himself and his missionary co-workers, Paul writes, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul and his friends know what it feels like to be overwhelmed, confused, attacked. They know what it feels like to ache, to worry, to lose. They are familiar 
with suffering. But this suffering doesn't mean that God has forgotten them. Their struggles don't mean that God doesn't care about them. They are familiar with suffering. Because Jesus was familiar with suffering. They are jars of clay, cardboard boxes, carrying around the good news that Jesus suffered and died so that we might live. But they don't just carry around the good news in their minds. They don't just carry it around in their mouths and speak it to people. It's something they embody. It's something they live out. Verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Stay with me on this point. This point, this part is really important. Every child, like every human being that lives long enough, eventually comes to a point where they understand an unshakable truth. The truth that first comes life, but then comes death. It's a hard lesson to learn, but everyone eventually learns it. That's the way of the world. Death swallows up life in the end. But after Jesus entered the world, after Jesus died on a cross, after Jesus was raised to life, reality shifted. When before the universal truth was that death comes after life, Jesus changed the universe so that now life can come after death. Death used to eat life but the empty tomb declares that now life feeds on death. After death comes life. This is how Jesus described it for himself in John 12. He said, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus died so that we could live. And when we belong to him, when he makes us spiritually alive, when he gives us eternal life, he invites us to respond to that gift by carrying around his death so that others too can know the life that Jesus brings. Verse 11, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. We sometimes think that Jesus suffered so that we wouldn't have to suffer. And at one level, I think that's true. Jesus suffered God's judgment against sin so that we wouldn't have to face that judgment. But it doesn't mean that because Jesus suffered, we now get an easy, successful, impressive life. No, Jesus didn't die to protect us from anything difficult. He died so that we could join with him in suffering. But not aimless suffering. Not the suffering that most people in the world go through. No, he, he invites us to join him in a suffering that can bring life. He died and invites us to come and die. Maybe literally. There are Christians around the world who have died today because they put their trust in Jesus. But for most of us, the death that Paul's talking about, they're, they're smaller deaths, they're little deaths, little struggles, little hardships, inconveniences, deprivations, sacrifices. We choose these 
We choose to die because, one, we know death isn't the end of the story. Verse 14, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. So after death comes life. But two, we also choose to die because it's not just life for us when we do that. It can bring life for others too. Verse 12, so then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. After death comes life. I love Paul's clarity here in verse 12. I love his clarity. He knows not just what he's dying for. He knows who he's dying for. He's dying for the Corinthians, these people that seem to hardly respect him at all. He's sacrificing for them, struggling for them. He's dying for them so that they will know the death and the life of Jesus. So that they will live too. COVID took a lot of things from us. Our confidence, our freedom, our travel plans, our health, just the list goes on. But one thing it took from me, one thing I suspect it took from a lot of people, maybe we haven't talked about so much. Something I think COVID took from me was a clarity over who I was dying for. All the stress and anxiety and confusion of living in a COVID world shrank down my sphere of concern. And looking at that, this passage this week, I've been struck that I need to be very intentional and clearly identify the people in my life that I will choose to inconvenience myself for, sacrifice myself for, deprive myself for, so that they would know the life of Jesus too. If you follow Jesus, do you know who you're dying for? Which classmates or co-workers or neighbours or loved ones you will pour yourself out for? Jesus invites us to come and die with him and he promises that life will follow. But in the meantime, he wants to use us. He wants to use these jars of clay, these cardboard boxes. He wants to use our deaths to bring others life. After death comes life. That's our hope but it's also our mission strategy. Will Anderson's notion that Christians aren't the most impressive bunch or that they should at least be more impressive, that's not an uncommon idea. In fact, I think as Christians, we buy into this idea all the time. We try to hide the cracks and the dents and the tears and the stains. We put up masks and we try to project togetherness. We envy and emulate Christians that know how to live the beautiful life. But whenever I see these beautiful Christians living these beautiful lives, I remember this quote from the pastor Dave Hansen. He wrote, Look good to attract the good looking. Die to attract the dying. How break it broken aching world doesn't need more people that pretend to have the beautiful life our world needs more people that know what it's like to be hard pressed perplexed persecuted struck down and yet still have the treasure of the gospel inside that saves them from being crushed despairing abandoned or destroyed 
our world needs more people that will hold out the treasure of Jesus Christ that is giving us peace and hope and joy. Our world needs more people that will follow Jesus. People that will die. Because now, thanks to our Savior, after death comes life. Right. Lord God, in our deepest selves, we reject the notion of death. We want our best life now and forever. We don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to deprive ourselves. Because we need you to change us. We pray that you would spare us from guilt, but amaze us at what Jesus has done for us and give us the hope and the courage to suffer with him, to struggle with him, to die with him so that others could live. And we pray in your mercy, in your kindness, we'd get to see the fruit of our labor. We'd get to see the result of our struggles and we'd see more and more people come to know Jesus Christ. His name for his sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.